Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. Um, this episode, my guests are doubled up for the first time since doing um, this new version of the podcast remotely. Um, I have Jam and Josh, who host a new podcast called Forge Ahead, um, and they also play in a band called Speed together, and Jam plays in a band called Endless Heights, and Josh in a band called Wreath, and I've known them both for quite a long time um, through playing in bands, and yeah, they started a podcast recently, again, similarly to myself, I guess, to do something constructive in a time when they'd otherwise plan to be playing shows and doing stuff with their band speed um and it's really good it's really interesting it's talking to a lot of different people in australian hardcore about um you know i guess their relationship with it in one way or another and focusing on different topics as a part of that um they've got a couple episodes up already and obviously we'll have more coming um so it was really cool to get them on and have a chat about a record that was really important to both of them um so they chose killing with a smile by Parkway Drive um, and it was you know pretty fun talking about it I guess because like most other people that play in hardcore bands in Australia in one way or another we've all had something to do with Parkway Drive over the last I don't know 15 years um, whether it be you know being on record labels that they're on or playing shows that they've played and you know following in footsteps that they really helped amplify in this country so a lot of this podcast is the three of us sort of talking about things that we've done that have related to you know i guess the influence or impact that a band like parkway drive had um so it was really fun to talk to them about it um and just share some funny stories and some laughs and things like that um yeah you should definitely go and check out their podcast the forge ahead podcast um check out their bands and uh yeah keep supporting uh the scene and um i suppose this space that at the moment is really uh not able to do what it usually is which is have fun shows and have people interacting in real life um so we do it over the internet as best we can um but yeah uh if there's anything you want to hear on this podcast let me know follow all it on all the standard social things um i'll stop talking now please enjoy episode 86 of the oblivious maximus podcast with jam and josh from forge ahead fucking brutal all right well fellas thanks for doing the podcast with me fucking hell thanks for having us on um, all right, so you before we before we dive in, you guys have started doing your own podcast, which is mm-hmm. great, a great use of time in uh, the time where everyone's trapped at home, which is exactly mm. why I started doing this again as well. Mm. <laughs> um, yep, sick. But what was the what was the drive to start doing it for you guys? Was it the same? Was it the sort of disconnected trying to connect up or were you thinking about it beforehand um i think it really came from for us uh obviously like with everything being locked down it's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works for for anything that we were working on um because gem and i play in this band speed and we're like pretty new uh and had a bunch of sort of plans lined up for this year yeah and then yeah like there's a huge spanner thrown in the works uh with everything going on so we were kind of just we were having a chat between the five of us, just trying to come up with ideas of things that we could do to stay engaged and to like just keep putting stuff out. Um, and then that kind of sparked a thought in us. I mean, we talked about me and Gemma talked about doing a podcast before, um, but we never really had any real like intention for it. Yeah. Um, but with this, we were kind of like, well, we're really, really excited about hardcore at the moment. Um, we feel like the stuff that we were doing with the band was our way of uh, contributing to the community and getting people excited about hardcore and, and trying to sort of manifest like the ideal mm-hmm. hardcore scene um, mm. in our eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we wanted the podcast to kind of reflect those same values as well and just be an opportunity to get people to reminisce about like what they consider to be like the glory days of hardcore and celebrate like every single person's opinion um, 
because they're also sort of diverse and you know yeah. my mm-hmm. opinion of what hardcore is will be different to yours which will be different to the next person and we will want to kind of capture all of that mm-hmm. um and, and and be able to celebrate it all equally the, yeah i think yeah and like josh said the big thing is that like uh what we're doing with speed it had a very clear speed has a very clear mission when we started and it was really to push australian hardcore and to drive enthusiasm and really try and contribute as best as we could to to really growing the scene again and um without without shows happening and any kind of physical interaction this was our way of of this podcast is not meant to be about speed but it's born from the same vision and it's just instead of doing all the action in terms of going out and physically doing it is our way that we can actually use some words to talk about that and hopefully positively influence through that as an open up a platform for people to just engage with that too so that's the really the mission of the podcast and um yeah yeah sick well i mean i think it's it's quite funny because like i think some people well, I mean, certainly when, when I started doing this years ago, the the whole idea was like, oh, I really like listening to these type of podcasts. I think everyone that I'm friends with and everyone that plays in bands and people that are creative and stuff like that, they don't really get too much of a voice. And I think one of the things that I started it off with at the time was um, trying to talk to people that didn't regularly get interviewed themselves. Mm, so, like, yep. like, when I first started doing it, like... When I started, I talked to Stu Harvey, for example, and I was like, you have spent yep. 10, 15 years of your life interviewing people, but no one's ever asked you, like, at least to yep. my to my knowledge, no one ever asked him his opinion. It was always yep, the other way. For sure. Yep. And so that that was kind of like, that's kind of how I got that started. But And then similarly, when I was thinking about doing this again, like last year, I never really had any drive to do it just out of laziness probably more than anything but um mm. i think something like this was such a good i don't know kick up the ass to just be like well you're not doing anything else <laughs> like and totally all, all yeah. like the fun conversations that i had with people at shows evaporated and all the yep. like interactivity and talking about music which uh, to be honest that that is what drives my like creative side of it like the the social element of it is what pushes it for me um absolutely so i think that like it's really good that other people are doing that in this you know what is effect i mean effectively it is downtime for everyone that Mm -hmm. plays in bands because i mean you can keep writing songs and recording songs i guess but at the same time like you know we can't even i mean at least in victoria at the moment we can't even have like band practice so as yeah. bands yeah, exactly. we can't work together on stuff really you know? and i think i think as you're saying as well bro it's, it's such a social thing and and with any kind of scene it's just about the community you know what i mean mm. and this is mm. an op- the way we see this is isn't this downtime is an opportunity rather than physically putting your hands to work and like building those bricks up it's just having communicate having communication having discussion to keep that culture and the community uh engaged and enthused you know what i mean and it's an opportunity to do like take an op- take take a chance to just talk about some of these things a little bit more in depth when we really wouldn't really have these conversations beforehand you know what i mean yeah so yeah just making mm. making most of the time man positively so. absolutely yeah bro um, um all right so let's rip into this record um i mm-hmm. i was interested like obviously when i hit you guys up i kind of said you can either do this together or we can do it separately let's just try and do it and then you both came back um, with the first Parkway Drive record, which uh, I mean, I the don't... second actually, the second. Oh second yeah, sure. LP. It's actually the, the second Parkway LP. The uh, <laughs> the one that people paid attention to first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. The one that well, in in our case, it's the one that we paid attention to first. I think. That's yeah, right. we were we were at that age. Yeah, certainly for me and as that's, well. That's why we picked the record. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But okay. Well, let let's. I mean, you can each. You can. We'll. We'll figure this out as we go through this, but like, mm. why why is this something that's uh, significant for both of you, bro? I mean, I think what what we what we will say is also very. Uh, I, I think a lot of people in our friendship group who we've grown up and got into music and hardcore with since we were kids would probably have similar sentiments to us because this record, "Killing with a Smile." Um, is kind of like the centerpiece of or the mantelpiece of of our musical foundation and um it's like that <laughs> it's like that album bro, it is, that honestly. really it, it 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 is the album that got us into hard for most of us if we were mm-hmm. to like just name one it's like this is the album that really got us into hardcore and 
um, sonically, it's not like hardcore in the sense of like power chords and your and and your your um, your kind of textbook. F- uh, term of of hardcore, but sure. in terms of the culture and the vision of of Parkway Drive and the ethic, they're obviously a hardcore band, and and the whole the whole ethic of hardcore is really driven into this album, and um, and even the reason why it's so important as well, man, is that when I heard it for the first time, I would, would have been 12, 12 or thirteen, two thousand five, yeah, right? twelve, thirteen, and now I'm twenty seven, and it is still. I, I love it just as much, if not more, bro. And I when, yeah, yeah. always mm. listen to it. And when you get older, there's so many things that you listen to where where you go back to and you're like, oh, I wonder how that that's held up over these years. And it's like, fuck that shit ass. Like, what the f- what was I listening <laughs> to as a kid? But this is the one that's like, bro, it's just, it's so fucking good still, man. It's so, it hits hard, yeah. just like, just as ever, man. It's held up so well, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was pretty, I mean, I, like, obviously I've, it's quite funny, actually, for me, because I, I watched that movie of theirs, like, a week ago. Mm-hmm. So, when you guys suggested doing this, I was like, man, I got Parkway on the brain. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, but, but um, I mean, I, like, <clears throat> I heard this, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not that much older than you guys, but I was in, I think I was in year 12 when this came out. And yep. I guess at that point in my, like, musical life i was like four thousand percent death metal and nothing else so Mm. hearing this to me was kind of funny because i i when i heard this record i didn't think they were a hardcore band because i didn't associate like the musicality of it to me was more in line with like those older i mean sort of later swedish death metal bands like the haunted Mm. or soil work or at the gates and things like that and i I, and i mean i assume that is stuff that was influencing this the writing of this you know music Mm -hmm. dude this is the thing we were kind of talking about this the other day i actually don't i mean i'm only guessing but i actually don't think that those dudes were listening to swedish melodic death metal to Mm. be honest with you even though like it's all over the riffs like they're all fucking at the Mm. gates riffs that whole site you know all those bands at that time unearth yeah yeah uh kill switch engage like all of that stuff was all obviously like appropriated swedish melodic death metal yeah yeah Mm. but i don't think that those dudes were coming from that angle at all Mm. i think that they were listening to like earth crisis and uh hate breed and Mm. and this is what was coming out like day of contempt yeah yeah Um, yeah and i mean it is just quite it's just quite interesting to me that this is for particularly like i mean obviously for you guys and then I mean, even for me, like, I knew people in hardcore bands by this point, and I had friends that were playing mm. in, you know, mosh bands. And then also, I started seeing bands like Hard Luck in Canberra and things like that. Like, I'd started getting to know those guys. So, I bet to me, when I heard this, I was like, oh, this is a metal band. And then the first time I saw mm. them was definitely they played Metal for the Brain in Canberra, which was like this big mm-hmm. death metal metal festival in Canberra. Um, and I remember that, like, I remember seeing them play. And I don't know if it was, it must have been before this record came out that I'd seen them. But, like, wow, they were at a metal festival in Canberra wearing, like, all of them wearing board shorts, all of them wearing, like, you know, surf clothes. And I just mm. remember, like, I remember standing there with, like, hair down to my ass wearing, like, a suffocation shirt or something, thinking to myself, like, these fucking poses what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) and then like and then hearing then when this record came out and i heard it i was like oh man this band is really fucking good (laughs) like they're not yeah it's undeniable (laughs) it's it's funny that you say that bro as well because when you when you were listening to it you've been year 12 and we we would have been like year seven or something year seven year eight and um for me um, I got into hardcore through metal and Parkway Drive mm. was the first kind of like hardcore-y kind of thing other than actually I'd heard Hatebreed before but Parkway Drive was like the first kind of like Australian hardcore kind of thing that I'd really gotten into mm. and um, you know I remember <clears throat> when I was like I got into metal because I was, I was learning guitar and the guy that taught me guitar was a family friend and he, he was super into metal like super super not, not hardcore at all and he burnt me a CD that was like called um, Mo Metal Than Your Mama's Kettle um, and it was a compilation CD of those, all these all these uh, metal songs on it, and just like Chimera, um, like yeah, Soil Work, um, Kill Switch, Engage, Trivium, um, As I Lay yeah. Dying, um, Lam of God, Eighteen Visions, all that kind of stuff, right? And um, 
And then when I heard Parkway, I remember, I think I must have found out because they were touring with like In Flames or, or something. Because they were touring with a lot of metal bands as well at that time yeah. in Australia. And that's where I just, it just got on my radar somehow through then. And I went to go pick up the CD and I remember seeing the CD um, on the cover. It said, um, produced by Adam Dutschwitz, which is yeah, the yeah. guitarist of Killswitch Engage. And I was like, at that time, bro... All I wanted to do, bro, was 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 wear a cape and be in my undies and and run around in socks and and be Adam D. And I just I, I wanted to be Adam D because I just he's, I was so in love with Killswitch Engage and I was like fuck yes like I'm gonna listen to this record. It said for fans of on the sticker it's like for fans of Azalea dying Killswitch Engage maybe Unearth and like Under Earth or something like that because um, Adam D had also done Define the Great Line by Under Earth um, produced that. And anyway, so I was like fuck yeah I'm gonna listen to it and I listened to it man. I remember. It was so different to what I had previously heard because it has this obviously metalcore edge, but it's so fucking heavy. It's so much yeah. harder mm. and heavier, and the breakdowns in it are like it's mosh music. Whereas with the other, with with the other metalcore, it's like it's like technical and it doesn't have. I think that's the difference between hardcore and metal is where metal is often about the technicality and yeah. the, the musicality rather when hardcore is really about the sheer, the sheer aggression and you know and 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 how aggro you can make it sound and the kind of the energy you get from the riff rather than how that riff is constructed you know in a musical yeah. way um and- dude one of the things that i was thinking when i was listening back to this as well like you start at track one give me a d is just such a fucking chaotic song there's probably like 12 different sections in the song it only goes for three and a half minutes but it feels like it goes for like 20 minutes because there's that many different fucking sections yeah but also the tempo that they've like recorded it at just feels too fast yeah like you just you you just feel stressed out listening to it but like in a really good way dude Um, and i think that's i think that's like the magic of this record is the whole thing just feels like slightly too fast so you feel like you feel like you're like fucking in like Mad Max or something, just like in this car the entire time that just keeps moving and moving. And the way the songs all transition into each other, like it's just this like perpetual motion. You feel like you're just fucking rushing to every new song. Yeah. And it like you come away from it just feeling like exhausted, but like in a, in a really good way, obviously. I just, yeah. and I, exactly what you mean about Give Me a D, man. Like the fir- that first song is so fast and. And while well, where I was going with what I said before was just that like it starts off with that it's like seven five zero riff on the fucking top string of the guitar, yep. but everybody used to do the fucking the the fingers the fingers you know like you got you, yeah. you guys yeah, can't yeah. see this the in the podcast fingers. but the fucking tapping yeah, yeah. fingers everybody used to do that whenever th- for that fucking riff give you a D and it starts off with like fading and Bro, I need to thank I need to thank Parkway Drive for introducing me to the guitar technique of tapping so that then i could do that in front of any fucking one of my parents or their friends or any like, oh, music teacher at school and they thought that i was like the best guitarist yeah. of all time yeah. i could play these really fast notes not knowing that it's like the easiest fucking thing to hammer, do on and pull off. hammer on and pull off two fingers <laughs> but um but then it like i don't know what it is 15 seconds into the first song it just gets to this dance Digga, 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 dance. Yeah. Digga, digga. It's just a breakdown straight away. And for me, in my brain, yeah. which just listened to hitting metal, I was like, holy fuck, this is so heavy. Like, what the fuck is going on? And I was just trying to piece yeah. it together. And like, it has so many moments like that through the record. And anyways. Yeah, there's so many left turns all over the album. And they always just fucking like throw off whatever you think is going on. Mm. Um, and that's that's the magic of the record, though. Like, it never lets you never lets you rest on anything for too long. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's constantly just fucking hitting you in the face and nothing lingers for too long. Like no section lasts longer than it needs to. It's always just like something new and, and it just keeps like raising the bar the entire album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fucking crazy. I, th- I think one of the other things for me too was like, I think for sure at the time and not, not even just hardcore, but I think at the time when in the music that I was listening to, I think the thing that really, uh, impressed and also got a lot of my friends and I who were listening to like lots of death metal at the time um into this record was like the sound and the production on the record as well because I mean it was like this band's from Australia I've seen them play and then you know subsequently would then go and on to play shows of them and stuff myself but like the Mm. at the time I was like, no, no Australian band's records sound this good. Like they, and, and I guess that was, I know that's like a big thing about this record. And I remember, like, I think it was in that first movie or DVD or whatever that they did talking about how it was like, 
at, at least in hardcore and for the environment that they were a part of at the time it was like almost unheard of for a band to go mm. overseas to record like mm. well that's i think that's why this album is so symbolic like for me and jam and for our group of friends um when we were growing up was because like you gotta understand like we were like 12 13 years old our entire frame of reference for like heavy music for metal for punk it was coming from what we'd heard on the radio growing up as kids which was new metal uh so you know jem was listening to like system of a down and corn and Lincoln then park for me it was like pop punk so i'm listening to like green day and, and blink 182 yeah of course like lincoln park massive yeah um and then obviously as we get a little bit older we start to graduate to some to some more obscure sort of stuff we start listening to like kill switch engage and trivium and like all that big sort of really really popular uh metalcore which was huge for for kids our age and then Parkway Drive came out and they were really like the band that I think opened our eyes to the idea of like a local community for heavy music mm-hmm. yeah. like in, in the place that we were from. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way they could do that, the only way they could bridge that gap for us is because they just, they, they took it to the next level and they literally went and fucking recorded an album with the dude from <clears throat> Killswitch Engage, like from the band that we were already listening to. And you can hear adam d's fingerprints all over the album yeah. as well yes like the way that they the, the guitar tone they chose the way they play the guitar like the way they sort of like slide in really smoothly to every note and they hit these little like bends on every note the exact same way that adam d plays guitar and you can hear that on on kill switch records as well it's then all over the parkway album mm. but it's a hardcore record like jem said it's so fucking heavy and it's it, it was nothing that we'd ever heard before and it, it just felt like the logical next step for us to listen to it yeah. made it accessible as well like you're saying about the production and um them the production is, is one massive thing because as a metal as someone who's into metal when for me at least when i was hearing like hardcore it was inaccessible for me because of the demo quality of the songs as a kid sure i was like this sounds mm. like a fucking potato like if you compare like something like <laughs> when goodbye means forever which came out like the year before that the prom queen record um um, like you compare that, or even don't close your eyes. The album before to like killing with a to killing with a smile, and it's like fucking night and day. The rec- you listen to it now, the recording it sounds like it was it could have been recorded this year, bro. It's so yeah, so yeah, totally. so sick, and, and like actually even better than recorded this year because it's like it's an acoustic album. It doesn't sound like there's any samples in it. Like it sounds like real drums, mm. real sixty five of fifty one fifty actually, um, and and all of that that sound is just perfect. It's yeah, yeah fucking awesome yeah. so the accessibility yeah, is that 5150 growl yeah <laughs> but the accessibility <laughs> is that thing man they, they really opened up hardcore in that world by jumping and, and taking that leap yeah did you like is this around when you that like was a record like this what sort of uh took the push to get you to start going to more of these type of shows to start branching out from like the metal shows or like and same for you, Josh. I guess like, where was the was it something like this that took that push for you, or was there other stuff around that time as well? Like first show I well, went to, bro. Interesting. So I was, Sorry, I, was just, go ahead, I was just gonna say the first show that I went to was the Parkway show. That was the first. So yeah. It was um, it was in two thousand six. Parkway two thousand six. I talked to this on the, on the introduction episode of, of our pod as well. But like, it's it's um. Parkway 2006 uh, on their farewell tour before they went to before they went to Europe for the first time, um, and they had mm. three hardcore bands that opened the show. It was Her Nightmare, Jungle Fever, and Stronghold, and I had no idea what was going on. I just went to see Parkway. I was on the front of the front of the front of the barrier, thirteen year old kid, front of the barrier. The whole show had no idea what was happening with these hardcore bands playing power chords and just like just kind of like ooh into the microphone, and then fucking. <laughs> Parkway got on and I got it, but then from that man, it was just infectious. Like that what got me, got me into hardcore, bro, because they opened up that world as well. Yeah. Mm. For me, it I was. Mean, um, well, yeah, no. This was my introduction to live music. You know what I mean? Like, I was so young that um, I wasn't allowed to go to like all of the bigger concerts that I wanted to go to by myself. My mom, my mom didn't want me to do all that. Yeah. So then once I was sort of old enough, I you know then I turned fourteen, fifteen, or whatever, I can start going to these local like youth center metalcore shows and like Carpathians playing and Parkway Drives playing and Prom Queens playing. That was my introduction. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, again, another reason why it's so uh, so important to me. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think one of the one of the things that I... I, I suppose from this point, I guess, in, in for me, around, around this time was when I then started, yeah, you know, like when I finished year 12... Well, kind of when I was still in year 12, actually, I started playing in, you know, with hardcore guys in Canberra and I was like, 
you know the 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 metal dude playing in the hardcore band. I've seen I've seen I've seen photos of you, bro, from this era. I've seen with the, <laughs> yeah, long hair, eh? young long blonde hair. Oh yeah, death de- death metal era, yeah. <laughs> There's a really good photo of, I think actually, honestly, it may be from playing a Parkway show, but like a photo of Slowburn playing, and I think I have two kick drums as in playing in Slowburn, <laughs> yes. a melodic hardcore band. Like, yeah, dude, that's so sick. Because I'd still not. You needed them, man. You I, needed two I, kick drums. Well, I bro. didn't have a double. I didn't have a double kick pedal, so I had yeah. To bring my so two just drums. use two kick drums. Full high school death metal mode, bro. So sick. That's so sick. But I yeah. bet you had four hundred toms. <laughs> yeah, the, the rack, the rack. The, you played slow better with rack toms. <laughs> two of <laughs> two the of tiny the funniest gloves. The tiny little saucepan drumming symbols. gloves. <laughs> two of the funniest experiences I have with with doing that at the time were I think playing a show with Parkway, but the, the biggest one. That was the funniest. Was Slovan played with Agnostic Front, and I had whoa. Fuck yes. I had a I had the two kick drum like five rack tom for the melodic hardcore band opening for like one of history's Holy greatest shit. hardcore bands, and yeah. And I remember when I was like packing up my stuff and I was like putting it back into like the the gear area. Vinny Stigma was just like, man, you got a lot of drums. And I was just like, that's a, a classic <laughs> oh, interaction with one of like. <laughs> The giants of hardcore. The most prolific fucking hardcore guitarist of all time. Yeah. That's so Amazing. fucking funny, dude. That's so funny. Uh. Um, but yeah, I mean, so for me around this time was, yeah, when I started, when I was starting to do that. And I think one of the biggest things for me with records like this that helped bridge that gap for me personally, because, you know, I, I obviously liked the music because it was more down the metal end of it so it eased me into like kind of like i guess you mentioned gem like it sort of eased me into like the more uh i suppose like raw and um abrasive version of what what could come from hardcore i suppose Mm. and Mm. uh part of that for me really was like the the biggest thing that really sold me on it was the diff a big difference between playing in uh like death metal bands at least to then doing this sort of stuff was like everyone was so excited to be at shows and everyone was so mm. like keen to see their friends and it, it that was like the infectious thing that won me over like immediately was that it wasn't like a competition about who's got the most fucking rack toms which obviously i was <laughs> yep. winning anyway but uh, yeah of course yeah <laughs> but you know and like but it was it was more about like having fun at the show than it was being really serious about the music at the show i suppose like hey, what, 100% most people were going to those shows just to fucking mosh they didn't really care who was playing as long as they were playing breakdowns and and that's mm. and that's and that's a thing bro that that you're talking about this lasting impact is beyond musical um and I, and i think this is the thing that really influenced me and Josh the most is that parkway drive as i said they sound like a medical band or whatever you want to call it mosh mosh call band whatever you want to call it but um but ethically Culturally, they're a hardcore band and they really, really taught mm. us the values of hardcore from the very beginning, which is this communal aspect. You bring your friends on tour, you start your, you start your, the story of Parkway Drive, dude, like it's five guys who are homies from their own local, t- local, pl- local town who just started the band. Yeah. This idea of working with your friends, DIY, hitting the road, um, doing it for pl- almost like playing shows uh as a vehicle to have fun and they were going doing their bodyboarding mm. you know they're like they're bodyboarders who 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 started a fucking metal band and for me our idea of metal was at the time was like you have to fucking have the long hair you have to have all the 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 the, the, the theatrical aspects of of metal to come to to carry it across and mm. and as josh said you know when we get to that first show he said to me before where's the fucking pyro where's the pyro when when, when parkway's playing and that's the thing that really won me over was which was that you don't have to look a certain way or be on this pedestal that of aesthetics like metal does you to, to, to make music that matters and to have the experience that counts. It's about the memories and about your friends and and the community involvement that really actually founds your, like a very fulfilling experience in, in music. And this all comes from Parkway. And, um, yeah. and I, you know, nowadays, even now after doing so much touring all over the world and like all the incredible things I've so lucky to have, be, have done, 
I meet bands who are like, yeah, we audition members and like, yeah, we're looking for, we're doing auditions for like a vocalist or like, you know, this and that and starting bands with like people they don't know and whatever. Like, that's totally fine if you do that. But for me, that's always been mm. a strange thing in my mind because it's like, what's the point in doing music and touring and shit if I'm not doing it with my homies? You know, I'm not just going to yeah, audition yeah, some it. dude and play with them because for me, like, that's just not the way I know it. Like, it's like foreign to me to do it that way. And that's one of the really, really, really lasting impacts of parkway that's been so profound for me it's just such an mm. encompassing thing that for sure it's hardcore you know like um this album taught us so much more than uh just about music yes yeah like it, it, it it taught us how to approach playing music yes um and i think like with a band like parkway with with the story that they have that obviously makes it really endearing um when yeah. when you like think about the band um just knowing that they're a bunch of surfers you know the bass player didn't know how to play bass before they asked him to join the band mm. um you know just the, the fact that like something like that came out of such a, a small little town like in byron um was all part of like what made parkway what they were but you can't listen to the music without that coming across anyway yeah like that and especially on this album man there's certain songs and you know it, it might be to do with the fact that like you know, you watch that that Parkway DVD, or like you watch like the Bra Boys documentary that has a bunch of yeah, yeah, a bunch of fucking Parkway songs in there as well. But there's like like songs like um like uh it's hard to speak without a tongue. Like you can't listen to that riff and not just imagine like slow motion shots of someone just fucking bodyboarding. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like it captures that feeling so fucking well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think one of the other things for me with this band is, I mean, directly for. The, I mean, the bands that I've played in that have sort of got some sort of modicum of success all came. Mm. Honestly, if this band wasn't there, we wouldn't have been able to do it. You know, it's it, and it's not even like that's not even like metaphorically, act, like financially. I mean, the record label 100%. that put out the I Exist Records obviously puts out Parkway Records, and I mean, yep. I don't think Graham's ever been shy about saying, you know, like. If the Parkway records weren't doing so well and, you know, smashing it, then there probably wouldn't be all the other ones that get to come out because of it, you know? And like, Of course, yeah. Dude, I mean, yeah. like... It- and that's why nobody in any band is ever going to say a disrespectful word about Parkway Drive because they literally fucking changed the game for Australian heavy music and everybody everywhere respects them and, and, and respects the music. Even if it's not their style of music, like, they, they still appreciate the authenticity of the band i mean yeah 100 because bro I, I was looking at i was looking at the wikipedia just before just to just to see if there's anything i didn't know and one thing that i saw on on, on killing with a smile that is and it was like it, it listed the aria chart uh when it went like when it went and the album first came out in like may 2005 whatever and it said it charted in the aria's at like number 38 or something which is like which is pretty which is mm. like i mean high for any any kind of heavy record but number 38 when you think about that mm. as the first like parkway drive chart at 38 then when now you've got like fast forward uh 15 years i guess it is or however long 16 years yeah and you mm. have like a band like polaris which is i guess following the same footsteps as parkway signed to resist another kind of but a 2020 like metalcore band who's Top, topping number one and how, how many hardcore records and mm. metalcore records have you heard that are like top number one in um in the aria charts like amity affliction and i don't know i don't know how carpathian would have gone but amity affliction and like parkway and all the, all the other parkway records would have obviously come number one but the thing that you that puts in perspective is that like this is the this is the one that started off heavy music yeah. getting huge in australia like it put it on the radio yeah. it put it on the map and it made it mainstream pretty much for people in australia to to, to listen to you know heavy music was not it, people aren't shy of it now in, in our in um this part of the world yeah mm. well i think i think like i mean obviously the, like this band has afforded my band like so many different opportunities but i think one of the uh, i think one of the standout things from that as well is not only we like is did the music become accessible for a lot of us to a scene that, you know, otherwise maybe we hadn't been exposed to, but like, I mean, the other thing that was very important to us was, or at least, you know, the, the people that I play music with has been the, the graciousness of these guys as well. And uh, of the mm. environment that they've been a part of. So, I mean, to the extent of like when they were doing their release tours, they were still touring with all their mates bands. Like, yes. you know, it was yep. like, while they were bringing American bands over, they were American bands that they were friends with. So it was obviously important yep. for them to have that. But then, 
you know, you know, apologies and her nightmare and all those sort of bands were still doing all the tours yes. as well. And then even be below that, then like bands like my bands were opening those shows in Canberra and like providing us a huge opportunity to play, you know, to lots of it. And, you know, even like Slowburn, for example, like, you know, we, mm-hmm. we were a melodic hardcore band that had really in terms of like the bill of one of those shows that we did. I think it was the tour that was them with her nightmare and no apologies and like i think i don't know if pete t- talked about it on one of the maybe jed's podcasts or something but it had like ended yep. up having like the biggest fight in australian music history yeah. happened at the Dude, show that story is so <laughs> yeah, good so- if you're listening to it, you have to go and listen to shinfo x desmond podcast episode one peter Bordy. That is, it's, fuck, that is a funny story, is, dude. It's so it's fucking so good. good, man. And, and, but and so, like, yeah. f- for our band, like, our, you know, obviously it's a very little part of that, but, like, I am directly involved with that show. And I remember, <laughs> I mean, the other thing I remember, too, it was, like, for sure, the most, like, merch Slowburn had ever sold was at opening for Parkway, at yeah. a Parkway show. Sure. And, like, and I remember just, like, all of that stuff is, like, you know, obviously... That was just like a huge opportunity for us to to take, but then like years and years and years later, I mean, there's all all, all throughout at least my my history with this band. There's little things like I mean, Winston sang on a song on Murph and Alex from I Exist and Mental Cavity, their old band Stab in the Dark. Like he sang on one of their songs. Really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then like year, wow. years later. I exist, which is like the one of my favorite I exist stories is we played Groove and the Moo in Canberra. And yep. s- yeah, certainly yeah. the only reason we played it is because Parkway were on it. And I don't I like I don't know how it happened, but I assume because they were on it, someone asked Graham if he knew a band in Canberra that would like to play or could play. Or maybe he just put us up for it. Either way, we got put on the festival. We play it like I don't know, 11, 15 in the morning. And while we still were doing that and there was like, I think at the end of the day at that festival, there was like 15,000 people there or something. And this is in Canberra. Mm. And I exist played probably to like a couple thousand people. But still at that point, that's like the biggest thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. After mm. after we finished, I, I had decided like a week before to, we played this festival, like, oh, I'm going to print a bunch of shirts in white and tie-dye them because it's a outdoor music festival. Like, that'll be a funny Yeah, I remember, thing to I, rem- do. I remember this, dude. I remember this. And, like, <laughs> so I print up all these tie-dye shirts, put them out there, and they're, like... I mean, I think, like, maybe we'd sold, like, two after we played. And then Winston was, like, hey, can I have one of those tie-dye shirts? And I was, like, yeah, absolutely. Gave him one of the shirts. Then he, then he or must have talked to Graham or someone, and Graham was, like, oh... Winston wants Jake from I Exist to come and sing a little part in one of the Parkway songs. And Jake's, you know, Ah, Jake's little mind explodes. Jake proceeds to go drink a full bottle of Jaeger at like 11.45 in the morning. Shout out to Jake, Jake Willoughby form. Shout out to Jake. (laughs) That's fucking Jake. That is so sick. Jake got so drunk after being asked to sing a bit for Parkway. That he passed out and got taken home. So, oh, so no. he, he couldn't do it. He didn't do it. No, he didn't do it. <laughs> he went home because he got too drunk. Um, and then wh- when, Parkway, when Parkway played, Winston was wearing the I Exist shirt, the tie-dye I Exist shirt. And Murph, we were all, by this point, we're, we're all so pissed and we all think it's so funny that he's wearing a shirt. It's so funny that Jake's left, like his girlfriend took him home because he was so drunk. Murph went into the pit and just moshed for like a lot of Parkway's set. Fuck yes. Because of how Sick. how like revved up he was by it. And then at the end <laughs> then at the end of the show I went to the merch thing to collect our merch. And the dude said to me he was like after the guy from Parkway wore your shirt you sold all the other ones. So like wow. Just because Winston wore a tie-dye shirt it sold all of our merch and like so, like, Holy shit. again, like, without this band doing that stuff, like, none of that would have happened for our stupid fucking Yeah, you got to give him his 10%, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Dude, that's, <laughs> Dude but- It's so- I was, I was going to say, like, that's, that's, that's such a good point, though. Like, 
Parkway introduced us to hardcore, essentially. Mm. Like, you talk to me or Jam or any of our friends and, and you say, like, what's the most, like, influential hardcore band to you? You know, we'll say, like, Madball or Agnostic Front or Bad Brains or something like that. But the thing is, there's no way that we even know about those bands unless we go to a Parkway show when Dude, we're 13 or 14 I'm years telling old you- and we see Jungle Fever or we see... 50 Lions or we see No Apologies yeah. and then we get into all of those bands that are adjacent to them we start listening to everything on Resist we start listening to everything on Common Bond uh, and then we start looking into the history of it and then that's how we discover all of the bands that we consider to be like the foundation 100% man yeah. and what you and at, at this age now when I think about some of the behaviors that I've had and the, the, the reasons why I made certain choices and did things a certain way when I was you know getting getting into touring and just in general a lot of these decisions come back to the influence of someone of, of Parkway. And just like you said, man, like with the shirt thing, I remember being so young and seeing on MySpace these fisheye photos of Winston um, wearing like a pulling teeth shirt or a Converge shirt or a, um, mm. a half heart shirt, half heart shirt. And then like that was my transition into fucking Bridge Nine and, and Death Wish and all that through seeing yeah, yeah. these photos of, of, of Winston wearing those shirts. And not even just that, describing the bands, but mm. being, when I start, when I, graduated high school and started touring and all that kind of stuff too and started going overseas touring overseas it also i i met i've always made a conscious decision actually to um to wear a australian hardcore merch to wear merch of my friends i don't ever really go out and buy yeah. merch from bands that i like that are overseas i just wear you know like a my friend's band's merch and i always consciously do that on stage because i think it's, it's subconsciously from from what the influence that winston had just being anyone in the crowd looking at someone on stage and seeing what they're wearing then being interested in that and going home and looking it up, you know, or just, ha- just putting yeah. that that image in their head, like the branding or whatever it is with the band. I've consciously made that decision mm. because of that kind of, you know, the way it influenced me back then. And um, and there's just so many things like that, like uh, putting your friends' bands on the on the tours. Like you talk about Shinfo X Desmond with Chode running it, man. Like, you remember? Yeah. yeah. You remember, they, 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 wasn't there, was it Sweatfest? That he, was, was, was it Craft? Was it, was it Crafter that was on it? On the, on the poster? Was it like... On, on the, the fly, flyer? I thought. I, I think it was crafted. I, I thought man. that there was like a there was like a fest where there were like shows that they used to do, and they used to put cartoons of like Chode on, on the on the on the fucking yeah on yeah, the yeah, fly. yeah 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 was yeah and that's just that thing of like I, I, as a kid I knew I was like these guys are just their homies like uh, like yeah they're yeah they're band mm. they're like friends of the band these guys are just their homies and we're all going absolutely berserk like thousands of people at these shows and just you know kind of not necessarily revering but kind of like looking up to these guys but they're just they're just their homies and and that's the way it should be done yeah. like like your merch guy like the idea of going on tour and paying someone to come on that i don't know to do the merch is so weird like i just you just get your best friend to come on and have fun and then do merch on the side with you you know what i mean yeah it's like it's and the, then they'd yeah. be fucking jumping out into the crowd on boogie boards and shit like that as well yeah and just hang it and, <laughs> and you see of- all those photos online and you'd be like oh that's that's yeah that's the dude that does merch for him exactly yeah yeah exactly, exactly. It's so funny seeing how that uh, culture is like uh, shaped the way that people look at Australian hardcore and Australian metal bands as well. Um, like I remember the first time James Band Endless Heights went over to Europe. Um, and I went over with them, and I remember there was this one show. Uh, it was like on the border of like Germany and Austria. It was like the venue was literally like in the side of a mountain. And it's such a weird place. Like it, it felt like the equivalent of like doing a Canberra show, pretty much. Like it was kind of yeah. like. If you're an overseas band going there, you're kind of like, wait, wait, why are we playing here? <laughs> Middle like of nowhere, kinda, nothing going you know on. I mean? Like, no, no disrespect <laughs> to Canberra, but like, no, nah, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll take shots where, like, for Canberra. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, just like one of those places where it's sort of like, there's obviously people that care about music here, um, but maybe they're not as like dialed in as like someone in one of the capital cities might be. Yeah. And so we're at this fucking venue, and there's probably like 60, 70 people at the show, and it's like in this little bar on the side of this. Baptist Garden. And it's, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's break even from Perth headlining, then a band from the UK and Endless Heights. Um, and you could tell, I, like nobody actually said this to me, but you could just, you got this feeling that the people at the show might not necessarily have known break even and Endless Heights music that intimately, but they knew that they were Australian bands yeah. and they knew that the appropriate way to behave when an Australian band plays is you bring a bunch of foam boogie boards to the show and, and, and you jump off the stage and fucking... And surf and yeah, and you're wearing Hawaiian shirts and shit, and that's exactly what happened. And that set was probably one of the best shows of the entire tour, right? Yeah, that break even show. It was weird. It felt because people were going fucking crazy. It felt like we were playing in a show in Byron Bay Yak like ten years ago or something. Like it was, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it was. 
and it was fully it, it it really felt like just like a scaled down version of like a 07 08 parkway show at like the roundhouse or whatever yeah, yeah. i mean i think one of the other things that <clears throat> that this took for it took for us i mean and it obviously was rooted in in a lot of us from even younger from like the Pantera DVDs and things like that as well. But I mean, the biggest thing for Ags, this was always like, <clears throat> you know, certainly our band when it started was like, had this kind of serious ethos and had like, um, had an ideal or whatever. And then, I mean, this, the first time I wrote like a Black Sabbath-y kind of stoner riff and put it in the song, all seriousness mm. for the band just like flew out the window. <laughs> and it was like, from this yeah. point on, it's like, this I, this was really born then <laughs> and it was just like this man just needs to be fun fuck everything else it's or it's only yeah. about fun um which what we get, i love more guitarists <laughs> <laughs> but like when we had we had like a very similar experience when we went over to europe and we played uh fluff fest which is like yep. a very serious like diy vegan like all this stuff which is great and, and totally fine but mm-hmm. like every band on that show was or, you know, on that fest was, you know, be very serious and up there and had a bit of a message to say, which again, like I'm totally fine with. And I think it's really important that that has a place in, in music and has a place particularly in hardcore and punk and metal, but that's not my band yeah. at all. And so mm-hmm. like, totally, you know, we had just spent the day before like swimming in a fucking lake somewhere in Hungary mm. and we were all super hungover. We get to this fest, it's like 40 degrees out we just immediately ripping into the rider again we're playing like we're playing pretty early on at this festival it's in a fucking tent um and we get up there and we're like setting up our stuff and we're like oh there's actually quite a lot of people here and for a lot of people that is for them like an opportunity to be like all right let's nail this fucking set this needs to be perfect we got to do yeah, this whereas get for- some new fans whereas for us we would look at things like that which we 100% did like what's the funniest stuff we can take on stage with us? Like, <laughs> go to the van, everyone dress up as something. And it was like, like, everyone went to the van, grabbed, like, dumb shit. We're all like, and I think, like, Patty or Jay had or someone were like, hey, like, we got to fucking, you guys got to play in a minute. Like, hurry up. And we we're like, oh, hold on. We were all putting on weed leaf bandanas. Give us a second. Like, <laughs> and, like, we went up there and played. And I remember looking around at one point at Rowan, who plays in Metal Cavity, play guitar for us. And I looked over at Rowan and he had a full like this full like banner that was just like a legalize it weed leaf banner and he'd like tied it onto his neck (laughs) so it was over top of his guitar (laughs) so like you couldn't actually see that he was playing guitar he was just wearing a banner oh my god and (laughs) we we were playing and we were like just fuck jake was like stage diving every two seconds and and like we're just, you know, dancing, mucking around, playing these dumb stone riffs. And I looked over uh, to the side of the stage and there was like, obviously the two bands that we were touring with were sort of there, just like all with their phones up, laughing at us, like taking photos of us. But just the fact that like every person who I could see in the crowd that the band before was very like seriously pitting and seriously like very passionate about the music was now like all phones out laughing, taking photos of us. And I was like... <laughs> If anything that I want to be remembered for when I ha- when I leave this continent is that like I was the f- in the stupid band from Australia that day and like you know we kept going like where I exist from Australia fucking how's it going blah like you know just really <laughs> hamming it up but I mean again like for us that like you just mentioned before like that that came from seeing things like fucking boogie boarding into the crowd and like totally taking your mates and doing and like <clears throat> and I mean I think I think a lot of that. Again, as I mentioned, like a lot of us, I mean, particularly some of us that are a bit older and things like that, we had seen things like that from other bands, but we'd never seen it to the scale that it would then get to from a band like this. Like, you know, Parkway really Mm. brought that here for us and really allowed that, you know, uh, I guess to to be to flourish here, I suppose, and 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 push us to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And totally i mean i think it's quite it's quite impressive that a record like this that it, i mean if you i guess if you're not from australia and you looked at a record like this it could just be seen as like ah oh, you know it's kind of a kill switch sounding yes, metalcore record for sure. but for people for people here it has a totally different meaning like mm-hmm. and it's yep. it, i don't know if it's i mean while while 
definitely listening to this record like it is a really good sounding record the songs are really cool mm. the musicality is really good i mean for it for all intents and purposes like there are very technical guitar parts yes. and things like that in it too mm. yeah crazy riffs. but at, at the end of the day all that stuff is not really for me at least why this record is so good yes for me this record is so it's good impossible because to separate of, it from the context yeah 100%. It's, it's the environment that it was a part of it's the time it was a part of yep. and then what would then go on to push out beyond that you know 100 percent. but and and, mm. and that's that's so 100 percent true and but even just to bring it back to the music itself though the music itself mm. had such big powerful influence on us too man because for like yeah. one thing that like there's I mean there's so many things actually that still resonate with me today which influence what I do and it's from this record I'll just give you one example and it's like I've whenever I go into for any of my bands to to write right for especially for like an EP if it's an EP or even an album the one thing that I seem to always find myself following the one sense of structure or vision musically is to make a cohesive album that flows through or a cohesive that that tends to flow through Mm. and the thing about the park this this album killing with a smile is that all of the songs almost all of the songs flow through cohesively like they're linked like the like the end of give me a d flows into anasasis which that it's got that that feet Mm. it it, it rings out and then all of a sudden it comes in with the no 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 yeah and it's it has all these kind of moments throughout the record where it's like it's not just one song it's an album that's really like a like a tale like a journey you know um Mm. And that's what I've always strived to achieve in a lot of my writing as well, uh, just having some kind of link between the songs. And then b- beyond that as well, in my opinion, every single fucking song on this record is a banger. Like, like in my yeah, opinion, yeah. you, yeah, you can almost release so every so- any song as a single and it would be like, fuck yeah, like it'd be hectic, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. It's like for me in my writing, I'm like every song on a release, no matter how big it is, it has to be a banger. It has to be good. Nothing that you want to skip because, yeah. and I'm look, I'm not saying that this is definitely, I've definitely not written 100% bangers in my time. <laughs> <laughs> but I've at least tried to do that to model it off this one. That's how you Literally, and, like, yeah. and, 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 and writing melodic hardcore records or writing like, you know, more rock records or whatever stuff I've done through Endless Heights and, and other bands and stuff like that, they sound completely different sonically to Parkway, but it's just this vision, this musical vision, which has stuck with me from 2005, man. Um, mm. It's just, mm. which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I hadn't listened to this album for like a good couple of years until the other day. Um, and I, I just had this crazy moment when I was listening to it and like there were certain parts and like certain riffs that I was like, holy fuck, that's, that's the source material for like this riff that I wrote for one of my bands. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm listening and then I'm like, and then I'm like, holy fuck, like that riff sounds really similar to like one that Zach wrote for like a wreath song. And then I, like, I realized that this record actually informed the way that us and all of our, all of our friends learned how to yes. play guitar. Yeah. Um, this was this was the record for us that made us tune the top string down to drop yes. D, uh, and and learn how to write riffs that way. Um, and then like there were certain riffs as well that were just like that would hit me when I was listening to it, and I was like, this is one of those riffs that just sits in the back of my head for like half a day, and I don't know where it comes from. Like, there's like that that first uh, that big fucking riff in um is it uh, Guns for Show, Knives for a Pro after the fucking diehard <laughs> that that comes into my head at the most random fucking time sometimes and i'm for so long i've been like what riff is that like why do i where do i get that from it's from that dude. like all of these riffs have just made like this permanent impression on my the, brain the, the thing yeah the thing about this record as well that that that's the reason why I, I i choose this one to be my favorite and why i think it's the best because i know a lot of people who go back to old parkway they go like oh horizons is the one the one that came after this and obviously that mm-hmm. i think that's the one that really resonate with heaps of people because it had these big um epic anthemic songs kind of like carrion you know what i mean and, and yeah, those yeah. other ones that were very mm, big right yeah. but for me the reason why i love this one so much man was because it has this perfect naivety that comes with a hardcore band that's trying to make metalcore music. This is, it sounded like sure. it sounded like they were trying to make this metalcore music. So it has this um, this aggression and rawness to it that doesn't come off as, in, in my opinion, it doesn't come off as being corny. And there's so many fucking mm. things throughout the whole record that are corny, like the whole idea of these samples, mm-hmm. dude. Like yippee kaye motherfucker, <laughs> yippee kaye motherfucker. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, 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 Dude, so cry me a so fucking cry me a before fucking, a breakdown. Oh is, my god, dude! Cr- 
Bro, if anybody else did that, that would suck. Literally, so much. literally, dude. But like, but it's the best part of the record. It's insane, and that's the thing, man. It 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 captures this. It captures this. Uh, this aggression that's raw, and it's like un, um, un, uninfluenced by you know, like other things. But also on top of that as well, the the lyrics are like so emo. It's like a emo ly- lyrically mm. emo record, yeah, yeah. and it's not like I know now they've obviously different. It's about um, I think it's they're now changed to be about like uh, saving the world and like uh, climate change and that kind of thing, which is which is awesome. But this is a snapshot in in the time when it's like they're an emo band that's writing fucking hard hard, <laughs> hard music and and it's got the, yeah. the riffs itself. It's like. Like romance is dead. It's like melodic. It's melodic, but it's catchy. It's the catchiness is in the riffs, but it's still mm. so moshy, and it's that perfect blend of everything. Like a cold day in hell, the last song, bro. The um, the way it's like it's like melodic, yeah. but and the end of the, uh, the end, yeah. it's like the perfect song that you think, okay, this is the this is the end of the record. Like we're here. It's like spacious. It's it's it sounds you know. Emo-y because like you know because it's like passionate with the chords and whatever. It's very. Epic. But then the end of the song yeah. finishes and then you've got this like ten second silence and then. <laughs> and it's like holy fuck! There's a fucking the heaviest breakdown ever. And then it goes yeah. and slows it down. I'm like, oh my god, can't like. They're finishing the record not only with this anthemic thing, but to fully finish it with this massive pit part, and it's it's insane, dude. It's just that's the thing. And if you shoehorn in a section into like when you're writing a song, if you if you're trying to force shit, like it never sounds good. But they fucking knew that no one was letting them off the hook to do a single song without a fucking breakdown in it. So like, goddamn, we've got to make this work. Yeah. And you know, just to make matters worse, let's slow it down so like some people can really get their fucking heads it's kicked pit- off when it's we play pitting, this. Dude. And it still sounds incredible. Like they're balancing all of these fucking unique styles. Like there's some really, really like awesome, like melodic, like quite heartfelt yes. sort of sounding riffs. Like that, that last bit in Romance is yes. dead, dude. Like I was listening to that shit the other night, like literally like taking a piss with my <laughs> headphones in, just like welling up at the sound of this fucking riff. Cause I was just like, God damn, man. I feel like I'm on the fucking bus to school again. Like it's so crazy. But then like, and then you got like all these crazy little like clean riffs as well. And they, you can tell like they haven't like dialed in like a good clean tone at all. Like they're literally just like flicked off the switch, the foot switch on their 6505. And like, it's an amp that's like renowned for having shit clean tones. Like this really like a doughy, like, like sort of tone, but it sounds so and fucking cool. That, that, yeah. And it just if, makes if it. If you perfect. think about like the writing, and I see some of this in the in the through their DVDs. Like they said that um, they didn't want to put singing in it. Like a lot of metal bands kind of progress, so they add like poppy choruses, and some member in the band starts singing. Right? They Parkway never did that. Yeah. They just mm. kept it heavy, right? And instead, what I think what they said when they were going to one of their later later albums was that they started to write hooks, but just in the guitars, like hooky guitar things that people could sing, the crowd could mm. sing along to in like festivals. So they're obviously writing with intention. Yeah. And as they got bigger, they're writing for a bigger crowd. They're writing for these massive Euro festivals that they're playing to, right? Whereas this mm. record, when you listen to those breakdowns, they're imagining their homies in, they must've been imagining their homies in Byron Bay Youth Center just spin kicking. They're not thinking about like people like <laughs> getting on each other's shoulders at a fucking you know, festival, like bobbing up and down, like, you know, singing a riff. They're yeah. thinking about their homies. Yeah. This album was made, made for the, the pit. Bro. made for the pitters and made for the emos and that's that's it that was uh, us at 13 bro we just wanted the pit and just listen to emo mm. music and just like you know grow our fringes and 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 wear black vans and all that kind of <laughs> check it vans and just you know all that shit like so it's just yeah and and the fact that it still holds up today the fact that i listen to it now and i'm like fuck yes and i just like like it's, i listened to it just before we got into this bro just and just man just mm. it's it's the yeah. one bro this record this this is this is the record guys Killing with a smile. I mean, I cert- I certainly hadn't listened to it in, you know, I probably heard a song here or there, or maybe even like heard a song in the movie or the last time I saw them play or something like maybe. Yeah. But like, I mean, just sitting as, as you just said, like sitting and listening to it the other day myself, like it really just, it, it was like a real fucking time warp you know session like sitting there just i was just Mm. doing work or whatever and i was like actively getting distracted and when i was like writing down the notes for this like you know the things that were coming to my head like 
like even that you know little anecdote about playing with two kick drums like that popped into my head yeah. listening to this record like man those the guys in parkway drive must have looked at me when i was like 17 or 18 and thought like what is this dumb cunt doing with <laughs> two kick drums at this show like but like you know it's the, like <clears throat> things like that are so are so important to me about listening to music as well and i think like yes it is a cohesive record yes it's got all these cool parts but i think for me the the joy that i get out of not only listening to this but then like talking talking about it with you guys is that like it fuels so much like good like funny memories which i think is the other thing that I, i think is really valuable to me personally about you know having been a part of this scene and having played this sort of music is that like it's been about like you know meeting you guys and becoming friends with people and it's been about like 100%. the experience that you share more than more than maybe the records that i've played on or whatever mm-hmm. you know or the or the shows that i've played and it's not the i don't honestly like i could probably ne- not even name like the five best sets i've actually played musically but i can certainly mm. remember all the fucking times someone got too drunk and didn't do the guest part or someone like you know did something really stupid or people laughed at us or someone fell over and it was fine like those are the things for me that are like that's what i associate with with being a part of this stuff and for me this is mm. where that sort of pushed off 100 you know? man 100 like if, if australian hardcore is a religion then this album is like the fucking sacred it's, text you know what i mean like yeah this is that one thing that everybody is studying everybody has an opinion on it everybody has memories attached to it even people who don't fucking like the band like i know i know like like older dudes in hardcore bands that like you know they were involved with hardcore before parkway was a thing and you know they yeah. might not not necessarily uh have ever listened to the music and like really resonated with it the way that we did, but they can still acknowledge the impact that it had and yeah, they can absolutely. tell you exactly what it was like from their perspective, like experiencing that and what the band did um, and and how it sort of like changed the fucking face of the entire sort of community. Their, their story yeah. is so is so fundamental to this in the fact that um, seeing who they are and knowing knowing where they come from really painted a picture for us as kids that this is possible for us to do. You know, we can't, it's yeah. not something that's unattainable. Mm. Hardcore is this DIY movement where you go out there, if you can't play, like you just do what you can and play and then and play shows and work hard and you can make these things a reality. And like, even when Endless Heights, which was the most, Endless Heights has been the most um, uh, significant band that I've been involved with. And when we first started, bro, we were in year 10. I We didn't know who to play bass and we were like, well, let's just get our, our homie Jaddy. Let's get our best friend Jaddy. And we're like, oh, he can't play bass. He's like, yeah, neither can the Parkway Drive bassist. Like, that's fine. Like, just, he, he, he can just <laughs> yeah. learn it. And I remember after having this conversation, I've been, four, I've been 14 years old and I was like calling Joel who, sang, who, sing, who sings in Endless Heights and I was like, um, yeah, all right. So after this, I'll just call Jaddy after this and I'll just tell him he's going to play bass. And he was like, all right, sick. And I just called up Jaddy and I was like, hey man, you're playing bass in this band. And he was like, all right, dope cool i don't know how to but like i'll, I'll do it i was like yeah sweet <laughs> and that's how it's been and still to this day he's still trying to figure it out but like i mean the the, the thing is is that <laughs> like we it's 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 that kind of culture that kind of attitude and yeah it, it's it's so important for us the context behind this album in in, in australia mm. Dude, it goes back further than endless heights as well like um Jem and joel and chich and like a lot of the guys in endless heights uh their first band when they were like one of our like first year bands, seven yeah, yeah. was <laughs> Yeah, it was like a, a metalcore band and pretty much the whole set. I, I think I saw you guys play like three or four times and they only had one original song and the rest was just covers and it was like Killswitch Engage and Parkway Drive covers. And you do, was it, um, you play Gimme a D and then the like last like a minute of the song, you'd like transition it into the end of Smoking <laughs> If You Got Him. Was, was, was that it? It was like a, it it was was like like a medley like type thing. So it was cut- like... Most of Give Me a D, and then and then it hit into like the tapping part of Smoke Me If You Got Him, and then you do the whole outro of Smoke Me If You Got Him, and I think like the breakdown. Yes, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the time that we. <laughs> I remember you guys. You guys played that at my high because we went to different high schools, and so all my friends. I was really excited because it was like my high school's like school fair, and um, I was really excited because all all my friends from the other school were coming over and they were going to play in the Battle of the Bands competition. Yeah, and so it's like Jam, Elliot, Chich, Joel, yeah. Ed Mortimer up on stage on the fucking oval at my school playing parkway drive 
And everybody that I went to school with just being like, what the fuck is this? And I, me and like some of my friends are just sitting there being like, this is the fucking best show I've ever been to in my life. Because all the other bands were playing like Red Hot Chili Peppers and like other stuff like that. And yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, they, they all suck shit. <laughs> there's a photo from this as well. There's a photo from that show as well um, of, 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 of us playing. Yes, and, like, yeah, yeah. I think Elliot's wearing a No Apologies shirt. I'm wearing a Carpathian shirt. Joel's yeah. wearing a Parkway shirt. And like... And, Chich is wearing like an Adelaide yeah. Dying shirt or something and we're just 14 just doing it, man. Mm. But yeah, amazing record. Just so incredible. Yeah. Well, foundation. I think that's a pretty good place to uh, leave it. I mean, For sure. fucking, you can't really can't really talk too, too much higher than your school band creating a medley <laughs> of the song. <laughs> <laughs> much, yeah, dude. That's when you know you made it. Yeah. Um, but before we go... Uh, tell people who listen to this podcast where to listen to yours. Um, so iTunes, Spotify, whatever apps that those share their data with. Um, sure, we're on all that shit. If we're not, if if you're trying to look up Forge Your Head podcast and you can't find it on whatever app you listen to, can you please let me know? Because I don't know how to do all this stuff. Like I'm figuring it out as I go. <laughs> yes. I try to get it on iHeartRadio, but I think that's reserved for like Kyle and Jackie O or something. So this podcast was um, at one point on iHeartRadio. I don't know if it still is, but it was God there damn. at some stage. Are you getting that Kiss FM money now? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm 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 loaded <laughs> up here <laughs> with all my we- my Kyle Sanderlands money. <laughs> <laughs> you golden microphone yeah before we wrap it up as well i just wanted to also say that it's so sick to be on your podcast aaron because um josh and i when we were touring with mood swing and stuff years ago we used to always go and stay with aaron and and pat galvin at your house in melbourne yes. man. and also endless heights used yeah. to do this as well we used to always go and stay at your house and the thing that we will look forward to just as much as the shows is getting to your house and having a yarn with aaron and hearing aaron tell us stories about your trips to europe and I and and all <laughs> yep. your touring stories and all the stuff that I existed and these are stories that I all remember even from fucking Jack's J- J- Jake smoking crack from this homeless guy on the in like in the middle of Europe or whatever <laughs> things like that you guys going <laughs> swimming in the lakes and all that kind of stuff, dude. All Beep. that kind of shit, man. It's been awesome to hear. And when you said that you were starting Oblivious like five years ago, I was like, it's the perfect thing because we just love coming to Uncle Aaron's house and just hearing all this fucking shit that you had to say. Um, <laughs> And doing this yeah, right dude. now, like years later, being able to talk to you on our own, on like on our, just like this, it just feels the same and it's fucking, it's special. So thank you so much for having us, bro. You're at- Yeah. And also like, this has also been a huge influence for us uh, exactly. to start our podcast as well, because, you know, like before you changed up the format, I used to listen to the interviews. Like I, I would listen to the ones like with Abordi and Callum Preston and Stu Harvey and everything. And like, I, I loved uh, the way that you ran the podcast and it's, been something that i've always been really keen to to do as well um so it's cool it's kind of like yeah. come full circle now thank you aaron yeah. you're a fucking well, legend man you're a serious legend and, a, and an idol in our eyes thank you sure. thank you boys for ending this on you know fluffing my feathers a little bit it's uh it feels <laughs> it's a very good way to wrap things up. bro we gotta fluff it's them. Serious. Gotta it's, fluff it's them. honest man it's honest it's, these are impactful things and like when and yeah. yeah it's just we're we're all about this gratitude thing and, and reflecting and at the moment and man you're very grateful for the experience. Thank you. Thank you, bro. You're the guy. Well, thanks for doing this with me, fellas, and we'll talk to Hell you soon. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Peace.